Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Oh, you did it! (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, welcome to the B&E Podcast, and uh, we got a hell of a show for you today. Just you wait and listen. (laughs) So not so serious, we don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but you know what? We've done about 40 of them, and they all worked out so far. Yeah, (laughs) at least in in our our eyes, they worked out. So this could be the loser episode. (laughs) Join in. I know, that's... We're about to do this. That's like always... Actually, today it didn't happen. Today it didn't happen because what? that that does that happens for a lot of the Sundays. I come in and I'm like, maybe this is the one that's like the loser episode where we don't get into anything of substance. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. No. So I think all the not so serious Sundays are actually even deeper than the topical ones. Some I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's I really never hard to say. It. I just randomly said that. <laughs> Cause why not? Yeah. No, you know what? I'm actually at the point now where it's, you know, it's not even a matter of, um, is it going to be good or, or bad or whatever? That's not even a concern of mine. My concern is just like, are we, you know, are we just going to bring it for the audience and, and, uh, you know, and, and find and dig into something that's real and, and, and just, you know, and, and not, um, allow ourselves to be too surface about anything. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. And I mean, I think, you know, we've been doing pretty good about it. And I, I think it's always, it's, it's, for me, it's more about, cause you don't, we don't really know what we're about to get into, no. but it's about trusting that I don't need to know that I can let go of the control. And, uh, you know, it's actually something we could talk about on the podcast because one of the things that I've been working through a lot in this year is letting go of that need for control and mm-hmm. needing to know. And, um, you know, if this year's taught me anything, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't, you know? And, um, the one thing I've learned really through this whole thing is if I do control anything, I control myself for the most part, I control how I want to, um, see the world, how I want to behave, the choice I want to make, um, even my feelings and my states to, you know, some degree, um, you know, and it's, and it's building strength, Mm -hmm. but, uh, what other people do, other things, other world events, um, that's not something that I control, but I definitely have influence over it. And so it's kind of finding that balance of like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been a year of learning, learning what my influence actually is and not overstepping my bounds with it, but also not like being too laissez-faire and like thinking like, Oh, well, I don't really have any effect on this. And it's cause you do, cause I do. Right. Yeah. But at the same time I don't control it. So it's like finding that line. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting where you have some level of control and where you don't. And, and because, yeah, I mean, when you, when you're focusing on all of the stuff that you don't control in addition to the stuff that you do, I mean, you, you put too much onto your plate, right? Like, and you just, it becomes an overwhelming, overwhelming experience, which I mean, it's as an artist, like that's, we're so overwhelmed. We're such sensitive folk, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I I hear what you're saying with that. I mean, I feel for myself, there's been some similar stuff like that this year. Like I'm, I'm writing this book. I'm almost done writing the second draft of it now. And 
and I had some interesting realizations just recently about that whole process and, and how I sort of, how I work and realizing because like I have all of these, all of these things that like, okay, yes, like I need to get these projects done or these are things that are important to me. Um, and I found that I was trying to do a bit of all of them, you know, it's like, okay, well I need to do this, this, and this, and I've got to create time for all of these things. And then I, I just figured this out literally this past week where I just went, well, just pick one thing. Just like, what is like, just prioritizing, yeah. you know, like actually just setting a priority for something and saying, well, the, the book is my priority right now. Like I'm, I'm getting this done and I'm not even going to think about, you know, doing this stuff for the school yet. I'm not going to like, I'm just not even going to think about it. This is the only thing that I'm doing. And then it just kind of creates all this space. And now it's like, okay, I can focus on one task, especially as, you know, being a, being a man, (laughs) we're more, we're more so apparently naturally inclined to just focusing on one task than on multitasking. Yeah. Allegedly women are far better multitaskers than men are, but men are better sort of like at focusing on one thing. Yeah. So I'm like working with that. And, um, and also this week I noticed just getting a lot more, uh, a lot more focused or, or I don't know, attached to the meaning of what it is that I'm doing, like writing the book as being something that's important, like to, to a degree that I, I have only, you know, come across every now and then, uh, as, at least as far as doing something that is of my own sort of desire and creation. Like I know that whenever I've been under a deadline, you know, like when I've been in school and other stuff where it's like, I, I literally have to get this done or it's like, it's do or die. It's, you know, get this done or fail. Or it's like, I'm always good under the gun like that. Yeah. Um, but when it's my own projects and I think that this is something that artists and entrepreneurs struggle with a lot where it's just like, it's your own thing. Like it moves as fast as you're going to make it. There's nobody there telling you, you have to get this done, you know, which is why so many people will have like uh, a coach or somebody who just holds them accountable. Yeah. You know, someone to hold them a little bit to the fire, just to create some sense of urgency. And for me, it's not that I don't have a sense of urgency. It's just, I have such a sense of, well, this is what's important. Mm-hmm. This is what's more important to me than anything right now is getting this thing done. Mm-hmm. And getting really clear on that has really helped silence a lot of like my inner critic, you know, that ego that's, that works in there. I'm just like, okay, no, I'm just, I'm just going to write it because this is what's important. And that's like, what am I going to do? The only other option is I don't write it. Yeah. You know, and it just sits there. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to write it, you know? And so it's been, um, it's been interesting that way. It's been like quieter a little bit in my head by really just setting a priority, you know, of what is really actually important to me. Right. And being connected to that. That's good. I mean, that's a huge skill. It's so, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's uh, it takes a lot of discipline to build it. I mean, I would say that most of my life. And, and, and I, I'm, I, I'm not going to necessarily speak for others, but I'm, I'm going to kind of throw this out there that it's a pretty common thing. Um, 
is that we're very like reactive based. We're very like, okay, well, if there's going to be a consequence, then I'll, then I'll do it kind of thing. Like that whole deadline when I'm under the gun, um, you know, and I, you know, through school and college even, I mean, I was notorious for that a lot of the time, you know? Um, but I remember actually a turning point for me in school was when I started to get really good grades was actually when I started to connect to the value of why I was doing what I was doing. And I learned that front ending my work was going to basically give me better results. So what I would do was the the moment they gave us the assignment or the exam or when the exam, like the project, I would go and I would do it immediately. Like I would get it done. And then I have weeks where it would just be sitting there done, you know? And if I wanted to go back and improve it or edit it, I could which was the total opposite of how I worked before, because it was always like, leave it to the last minute. Yeah. And then when it's there, it's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, but I can say that front ending your work is a way better decision. It's actually much better. And I think there's all sorts of reasons to like put off front ending your work, but it always pays off in the long run because, and it's not like, like, it's not like you work on it a little bit. You like do the whole thing immediately and it's done. The nice thing was, I would, I may have to had sacrificed some things, but the nice thing was that I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I'd mm-hmm. have like weeks of like just peace because yeah. I'm like, it's done. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's all good. You know, and there's come, no, like the couple days before your classmates are like scrambling to, yeah. to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And you're walking around. Oh, I was walking around just with this perfect sense of ease and, and relaxation. And I mean, I think, um, that's the beauty. That's the real payoff of front ending your work. You know, you, you end up getting to walk around with this. Like I got my, I got my shit covered, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it takes a lot of, uh, but it takes a lot of discipline and, and real inner work to connect to the value of doing something. And like, um, just for example, like for me, um, you know, I've been really pushing hard on our social media side of, um, getting this podcast out there and it's been working. We're, we're getting a, a decent amount of traction every day. We're getting more listeners, more viewers, more, you know, more ears. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. And, um, it's, it's, it's working, you know, but, um, there's this part of me that's like, um, doing it because, you know, I've worked hard and I want this podcast to succeed but there's this other part of me, which is the value side of it. It's like, wait, no, I really believe in this podcast. I think it's good. And I think the things that we're talking about are important. I think a lot of people should hear it. And like when I, when I'm connected to that, the work just becomes part of the process. It's like, there's no suffering in it. There's no negative, but when it becomes about like, well, if I do all this hard work, it better pay off. (laughs) Yeah. That's the worst, right? yeah, Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We've covered that. I guaranteed we've covered that on a past podcast before. It's like we, when you're working from that place, like there's no, there's no real sense of, of, I don't know, meaning like true, true inner meaning to what you're doing. If it's all just for some sort of, you know, rewards or recognition. Oh mm-hmm. maybe that was that that was the run rewards, awards and better reasons or yeah, something yeah, like that's that. Right. Yeah. Was that, that, was one a, that was a good yet? one. Yeah. I, that, that was, or that I, one's coming up, I think to be released or ha, is it already? Oh, it hasn't been released yet, uh, but it's this, coming up, but it's coming up. Yeah. But I mean, anyone who's listening to this podcast, it's be there. able to backtrack. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. So no worries. But, um, that's a good podcast. I mean, especially if you are, 
if you're doing things for recognition or doing things to like get some kind of result in the world and you're not really connected to the why and like personally invested in your own journey, that's a great podcast episode to listen to because I mean, we basically break all that down. Yeah. And still, I mean, we, we covered a lot on that podcast. Um, I think what's good now is since we've had those conversations, I can catch myself doing this now where I'm like getting caught up in the results and caught up in the need for recognition or for my work to be validated. Yeah. It's a constant thing. I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things that you've just got to, sometimes it's, you've got to come up against this thing so much. You got to beat your head against these things so much, um, before you finally really start to take it on as like real wisdom that you, that you just live by. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, those, those voices can be, and those desires for those, uh, those externals and and being result based and stuff that can be, uh, that can be so paralyzing. It can be so destructive, you know, as, as artists, when you're, when you're stuck in that mind frame, like it's just, it's such a, it's, it's imprisoning really. Like you just, you've got no room to, to move because you're constantly second guessing yourself, yourself and, and wondering if what you're doing is right. And, and if it's going to have the certain, there's just, and again, that comes down to control. I mean, you don't really have control over those things. You only have control with, of the sort of the, the dedication you have and, and to what, to what you're doing Mm -hmm. and your presence with that. And the more you learn, and it is, I, I don't know if there's any necessarily easy answer to this sort of problem or dilemma of, of creation, because it's, those voices are always kind of there. I think you just learn how to not give them as much attention Mm -hmm. to stop focusing on them so much. And to know that it's a, it's a voice that doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best thing that like piece of advice around. It's like, well, it's not helping you. Yeah. Like that's, that's all it will ever, ever do is not help you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the whole, the whole thing about results and trying to achieve these goals. I mean, obviously it does results and goals and actual like measurement in the world matter, but I think it's the relationship we have to them. You know, it's not so much that like, because I think it's important to have goals and I think it's important to, you know, have a plan or have uh, an aim. But at the same time, like, you know, one thing like, for example, currently we're not on new and noteworthy in iTunes and iTunes has contacted us. They're talking to us. We'll see what happens, you know, and I'm hoping that iTunes gives us a break and puts us on new and noteworthy. I've personally, and I know you've helped. We personally put everything that we know and everything within our capacity to get this thing out there, to get people to share it and whatever. We've gotten tons of reviews. We've gotten tons of ratings and we've done everything that they say to do, yeah. even when I, you know, and we are even in conversations with them and yet we're still not a new and noteworthy. And so it's like one of those things where I, you know, I was like, well, I just kind of <clears throat> was like, I, we don't control that. You know, we just don't control whether that happens or not, but it's still a good goal to have. Mm-hmm. It's still like it, it's, it set a standard for us and it pushed us in a way. And I know it pushed me personally in a way to just try and get this out there as much as possible to spread the word, to do all the things 
And so whether it happens or not, whether we get the result or not, the goal was still worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And if we achieve the goal, it'll be a wonderful victory. But at the same time, I'm recognizing now that I am not going to go and say, tell anybody, this is how you get onto new and noteworthy. Cause there's these blogs and articles online where people tell you, here's how you get onto new and noteworthy. This is the strategy. This is the process. Yeah. And you know what? It's bullshit. It's just bullshit because nobody really knows because at the end of the day, you see these other articles where like, well, no one really knows how to get on new and noteworthy in iTunes, but here's what people have done. Here's some statistics. You know, those are better yeah. articles because you know, like, it's like if someone told you you're an actor, like, this is what you need to do to be famous, or this is what you need to do to book roles or to get cast in auditions. Yeah. Well, they don't know that because there is no real strategy because you're not in control of that, yeah. but they can teach you best practices. And what, yeah. what I learned ultimately through this whole thing about getting this podcast out there was I learned what the best practices are I, or some really great practices. And those practices do get results, but they don't guarantee the ultimate result and goal that I might want. So I'm learning like this is a good lesson in life because, you know, there's certain goals that like we just don't control and we have to kind of, I think, have faith in the process and the direction that we're going is the right way. And if we keep doing what we're doing, well, maybe we'll get the, the chance to get the opportunity for that to happen. Yeah. Right. It's like if a, if a filmmaker or an actor or something wanted to win an Oscar, well, you're not in control of that. You just aren't. There's just no one. You, you don't have control. Yeah. You know, and, no, it's, it. and even like, you know, the studios like they'll, they yeah. will do a picture just to be an Oscar film. Right. Right. There's like, Oh, this is going to be like our, our Oscar film. Right. And they put, you know, lots into it to make that the one that like goes up there and has the shot at taken the gold statue and there's still only one winner. I mean, there's 10 nominees now, I think for the Oscar for for best best picture. picture. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still only one person, you know, and they were all gunning for it, right? They all put all of their best effort, their, you know, their resources and their time and their expertise. And most of them are still coming away short on the whole thing. Right. So it's, like nobody, even, even people who are at the top of the field and, and, you know, the biggest professionals, there's no, there's no secret sauce that makes it a guarantee Mm -hmm. at any level of the game. So, I mean, to try and put that expectation on ourselves is, is again, it's, it's not going to help you. Well, especially with things that are subjective and like art is so subjective. It's not like uh there's a lot of stuff that's not measurable in it because there's a human element and there's yeah. a, not just is there a human element, but there's like what's going on in society right now. What's like culturally, what, what's going on in the world right now has an effect on what the best picture might be. You know, there's all sorts of things like what was made last year, what won last year and, and what won over the last several years. And, you know, and, uh, you know, like, I mean, there's lots of people who will say like, I mean, I, I think Leo did an amazing job with the Revenant as an acting performance. And yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways I did think he deserved the win, but a lot of his performances previous to that were in my opinion, better than yeah. even the Revenant yet he won the Oscar for the Revenant. So just cause he won the Oscar for the Revenant doesn't make that all of a sudden his best performance. Yeah. It just means that that year things timed out in a certain way and aligned for him to win the Oscar for that. I personally think his best performance was, um, you know, for Wolf on wall street. Yeah. And aviator was another one that I really liked as well, yeah. but you know what? 
the thing is, is that it's all about timing and, and the alignment yeah. and, and whatever. And so, you know, um, we don't have control and this is kind of this weird thing that I think as artists, we have to, we have to like let go of certain controls at the same time, because we don't have control. doesn't mean we should give up on the process of what we're doing and we feel is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I absolutely. think about it too, like with acting, right? Like working on your acting craft if you're working on your acting craft to be the best actor you can be, because one day you'll win an Oscar. What if you found it one day that's like, no matter what you do, you will never win an Oscar. It's just never going to happen. If you you could look into a magic, into a magic ball and and be told. Yeah, sure. And so would you stop working the way you're working? Well, if you would, then it means that you're confused because now you're only working for a result. The, 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 the key would be, I'm going to work to be a really great actor regardless of if I win an award or not, doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that you, you become a great actor. And so I think the motivation is important. Yeah. I mean, the awards are, you know, they're nice. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them, but yeah, it's like, if it's when that's your, your ultimate goal, then it's a little more ego based than something. And as we've talked about, I mean, if you're in it for the long game, I mean, you've got to have you've got to have a real love and passion for, for the art that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you, because yeah, like there's like the, the odds of these things are pretty low. That doesn't mean don't make that something you, you strive for Mm -hmm. perhaps. I mean, it can, it can definitely help give you, you know, a push. It can, it can give you some level of direction, but I don't know. There's maybe this is just from experience in my life. It's like, eventually there's, there's like a gut check time that comes up. Yeah. And you just go like, okay, how much do I love this thing? Yeah. I do because there's lean times, you know, there's like, there's difficult times in, in being an artist and it makes you reflect and, and, take stock of, of where you're at and what you really want to do. And, um, and I think that that's a crossroads that you have to, that you come to at some point at some point. And I think it doesn't even necessarily matter what level of success you've had. I mean, there's been all sorts of famous, you know, actors who have just walked away from it and Mm -hmm. just pulled the plug or stepped away for years just because they're, having sort of like they're, they're taking stock of it for themselves as well. So it's the success is the amount of success that you have is still kind of small potatoes when it comes into the grand scheme of whether this is something you're going to do for the rest of your life or not. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is, you know, it's where artistry meets industry. And I think if you define your artistry based on your success in the industry, then you're always going to be prostituted to it. You're always going to be bought and sold by it. And, uh, I just think it's, um, I just think it's not a good relationship. It's an abusive relationship to define your artistry by the industry. Um, and probably in reverse too, to define the industry by your artistry is probably not, doesn't work. And we could probably look at that too in another way. But, um, you know, I, I shared this before in an earlier podcast, but I remember I was talking with another actor early on, like this is years ago. And they were saying, you know, someone told me or whatever, this like acting teacher, someone's like, 
or was that, it was something like, it's how many roles you book, you know, the more roles you book, the better the actor you are or something. It was like, I think it actually was someone famous said something like that. And I was like, well, that's not really true. It's just not. Cause mm-hmm. I know lots of people that book lots of shit and they're acting as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, and they think it's great, but like everyone else is kind of like, man, yeah, like whatever, you know, but, but they get a lot of work and they make a lot of money, but like their acting isn't particularly moving or entertaining or all that funny or whatever, but yet they get work. So, I mean, and, and good for them, but that doesn't, just because they get, have a good industry success doesn't mean their artistry is much success. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you know, you see other people who maybe haven't booked a lot of roles, but they'll do performances here and there that are absolutely moving that bring you to tears that you're howling with laughter. And like, yeah, they didn't make as much money and you know, more people don't know their name or their face, Yeah, but like, that's a success with artistry. And I think that, you know, I think ideally we all want to try to have a little of both. We want to have success as artistry and industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's, that's ideal because then we've learned to be in integrity with ourselves, with the artistry, but in integrity with everybody else in the industry. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we need to define the two by each other. I think they're, it's like a marriage, you know, it's like, you know, you bring two people together and they're not the same person. They've, they've teamed up and they help kind of define each other and they help kind of, um, you know, work together. Yeah. But they aren't each, they aren't the same, right? No. And and artistry and industry are kind of like that. Yeah. And I love how you you're comparing it to a relationship, you know, it's like how many times have, you know, we heard that it's, it's almost like a cliche, but it's still true. Like we, uh, a true thing in, in sort of our, our relationships, uh, particularly like romantic or intimate relationships where, you know, it, it goes to a place where, one person or each person is trying to change the other. Yeah. Right. And it's like, be something different to make me happy. Right. And we know how that story ends. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't change divorce. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It it just like, it blows up. Right. So, and it's a mistake for either side and you can, and this is a, uh, something that's gone on, especially within like the acting and, and, and film and stuff like that. It's just like, it's like, well, the industry sh- or even directors and, and writers and stuff. It's just like, well, the industry doesn't do it. Like, blah, blah, blah. They should be more like this. It's like, well, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. You're trying to change something that it is really not going to change all that much. And it's not going to change because you're getting upset about it either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In <laughs> fact, like it's more likely to walk out on yeah, you. Yeah, right? exactly. And, sa- and at the same time, you know, industry likes to try and define artistry sometimes, which is like a territory that it really shouldn't cross into either because it's like, well, you don't really understand that territory (laughs) (laughs) per se, you know, like you just kind of have a loose idea of what kind of goes on over there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you be more like us? And it's like, well, because if we were like exactly like you, then, I mean, we really probably wouldn't say anything of substance. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, one's based on, you know, numbers and math and logic. And, um, you know, it's about figuring out how to package something and how to market it and show it to the world and how to communicate it. Whereas the other one's so much more about the interdynamics of humanity and expression. And, you know, it, it, like, 
it's, it just has an entirely different feel to it. And it's interesting like that you brought this up because I mean, those, those, um, relationships, which are about the other person trying to make the other person different, like be this way so I can be happy. If an artist treats the industry that way, be this way so I can be happy, do it this way so I can be happy. It's like, well, it's not, first of all, it's not going to change because you want it to. Yeah. But it could change if you give it good reason to change. I mean, but I think this, you know, we have this weird kind of like, I need you to change. So I'm happy as opposed to like, you are the way you are and it makes sense the way you are. And this is the way it is. And I am the way I am because it makes sense the way I am. And now let's try and have a meeting of minds and figure out how we can bring this together and actually, you know, create something good, you know, because it's like, uh, and we've had this, we brought this topic up a few times, you know, the artist in the suit, right? It's like, yeah, well, the suit makes sure that you can do your art. but yeah. the artist makes something the suit could actually sell and, and distribute to yeah. the world. So like you're in it together. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't need to be and, enemies. <laughs> and as we also talk like the industry, like if you, I, for me, it's like, if you look at the industry side of it, it's really their focus is on the audience. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're completely devoted to the audience. Like, because like they're trying to get at their pocketbooks. It's the ultimate goal, but still like they're looking at what the audience wants you know, like what are audiences liking these days? You know, they try and create some sort of, uh, see some sort of a trend, some sort of a movement. Right. And, you know, and and I think that there, there is a value to be found in that. And especially if you're an artist who learns how to navigate that and be cooperative while still maintaining some level of that integrity and, and artistry within that work, you know, I don't think that the industry is completely ignorant about that kind of shit. You know, like I, I feel like sometimes, um, maybe I won't speak for you, but I, I paint it in a light where it's just like, Oh, they just like the industry just doesn't give a shit about saying anything of substance. I think that the industry knows it's important to say something of substance. I think they, they recognize that that can make something a little bit better, you know, than, if you try and strip it back too much. Um, but the industry will listen based on like uh, the thing that I'm thinking of is, um, blue Jasmine, yeah, which came out a few years ago. And, uh, Kate Blanchett, she got, she won the Oscar for her performance in that one. And if you're an actor and if you haven't seen blue Jasmine and what Kate Blanchett does in that, it is phenomenal. Um, her performance that is. And it was, she got up there and she said, she said this, she's not to be like, I told you so or anything, but she got up there and she said a movie with a female lead, like with a female cast, like has an audience like, and people will go and see it. Right. And it was important. And yeah, I mean, blue Jasmine was an independent film. I mean, that's pretty much all Woody Allen kind of does. He has his own sort of brand of independent. Um, and I mean, sometimes that's the case that that's how sometimes these shifts happen. I think within the industry at large, like somebody comes along and does something really phenomenal at somewhat of a smaller level and proves that this works, Mm. right? This type of message works, this type of vision works. 
and it's positive, right? Like that was, that was a positive thing. We're starting to see more and more women in, in leads in, in films. Now there's more like it's, it's still very male dominated. Absolutely. But it's definitely not like what it used to be. There's, there's far more female leads now and female dominated cast in film and television. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. to have happen, but it takes some of those people to push it. And sometimes it means like, you know what, maybe you don't have the huge like studio budget, like backing for something like this now, but in some ways it, that can be a, a fantastic opportunity. You do something that's like a little bit smaller, right? There's still people who are in that part of the, that corner of the industry who are there to like nurture those types of things and put those types of films out there mm-hmm. with that kind of quality. And these well, things have the, they, they have the potential to suddenly just like really become a huge hit and really change things. Well, you know, it's, it's a great example you brought up because Kate Blanchett being in that movie, that's the, that has an element of industry to it. And what I mean is that if you made that movie with Kate, Kate Blanchett, it has a chance at an Oscar, but you make it with a no name actress. It almost like 99.9% of the time will not have a shot at all at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And so the industry side of it is, well, if Kate Blanchett is in it, then we know we can get Kate Blanchett fans or people who, you know, see her as a valid, um, legitimate actress that will give a good performance. So what ends up happening is it can sell because there's a name and the industry looks at that. It looks at, can we use this name to market our, our show? And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, so there's like, I mean, and, but, but like, I think what a lot of people don't really understand is that independent and studio artistry industry, it's not like a black or white, it's a grayscale, And it's how far along, you know, how, how, like, how, like black or, or how white, like how gray is it going to be? Right? Like what's the, you know, darker gray or lighter gray, you know? And, and so like, for example, you know, you and I are pushing to make uh, R and D, right? And if we don't get a name, then, you know, it really only makes logical sense to, to make the movie for as little money as possible because, you know, unless for some reason you and I develop some kind of unique, uh, fan base of followers, unless that happens, people who are really interested in anything we do, we couldn't justify, you know, spending the same amount of money that if someone had like a name actor, in yeah. it, right. But if we got a name actor into the movie, then we could technically spend more because you can, can justify it. But the industry does that. It looks at it goes, well, okay, if it's, if, um, there's this name actor, how much can this name actor bring? How many people could they bring to the movie? And then they look at, you know, this type of movie, this genre of movie, um, you know, this genre of movie will bring more people to the audience than this genre of movie. And it's always factoring those in. But I think as an artist, it's good to be aware of all these things, but then, you're aware of it. And then you have to kind of go back and like, well, and, and you go, okay, well, I've put my best foot forward, um, with the industry side of things. And now I'm going to come back to the art artistry. Um, like I think with this podcast, I think like we started from a very genuine place. We were not too concerned about like, what will it take to make this podcast succeed? You know, we weren't like doing that. Yeah. We were kind of like, let's record a podcast 
you know, for the very least we can re-listen to some of these talks and it'll be good. And, you know, cause we're getting value out of it. And, uh, you know, if other people, if it catches on and other people listen to it, then wonderful. But we just kind of believed in it and we went forward and it was more about the artistry of the podcast. It was more about the genuine kind of, let's have some good conversations and share it with other people and see what they think and expand as artists. Right. And then now we're kind of now in this hole, we're in talks with iTunes, we're trying to figure out, are we new and noteworthy, whatever. Now it's more about the podcast industry side of things. Now yeah. it's like, well, make sure you get this amount of reviews, this amount of ratings, make sure you have these many listens per day and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like all about these statistics. Yeah. Right. And like, I think right now, like it's such an interesting time because all of that's really great. But every time we sit down and we do a podcast, we have to focus on the art of the podcast, not the industry of the podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. Like, I don't want to be sitting here talking to you about trying to, trying to like placate and like appeal to people and like pander to them to get more listeners. You know, I, I would love to like get people to share it and like it and do all that stuff, but I'm not going to spend the whole time trying to sell them on that. Yeah. I want to give them good content. And if they feel Hey, you know what? This is good. I'm going to tell a friend about this. I'm going to share it. I'm going to whatever Then they do. Yeah. Right. I think that that's what, what you're touching on here is really interesting because it really is. It's, it's in some ways kind of also about this whole thing also of what do you control and what are you prioritizing? What are you focusing on? Because when it comes to doing your work, the thing that you love to do, you've got to be focused on the work, the creative side of it. Yeah. You've got like, you've got to do just that. Like if you can't be doing that, we'll also be thinking about, you know, all, oh, what are the, what are the numbers going to be? Who's going to pick this up? Who's going to, you know, whatever you can't be thinking about that stuff while you are in the middle of doing your work in that level. And then once you're done doing that, then you can say, it's like, okay, now I can do some of this work. But I feel like it's, it's like you talk about how with, you know, with writing, you know, you put on your, you put on your writing cap, your writing cap, and then yeah, your writing hat and your, your creative hat or what you had a way of putting it one time. I loved it, but it was along those lines anyway. Um, and only once you're finished writing it, then you put on your editor's hat. And I think it's kind of the same thing where it's just like, you've got to put on your artist hat. And when your artist hat is on, that is what is on. And then when you're, when you're past that, then you put on your industry hat and you can focus on that. But I think that if you're focusing on too much and you're blending them all together, I mean, it, it really, like we said, it paralyzes you while you're in the artist stage. And then when you're in the industry stage, if you're focused too much with like the artistry part is if you're still wearing that hat, you become super defensive. Um, because personal, you taking it personal because I think also because you're, you're so concerned with how this is going to be, your work is going to be perceived, right? Because you probably had a lot of doubts second guessing yourself as you're in the middle of doing your work. Hmm. You're in that, in this whole thing, second guessing. So now you're in the industry phase and you're putting it out there and you're seeing what the response is going to be. Well, you, you've got no confidence in what it is. You have no, because I think that you have to really believe in your work 
Like you've, you have to be the one that really believes in what you're doing and be connected to the message and the, and the, I don't know what the vision of your work, you have to be the biggest believer in that. Because if you're not, you're not going to have success in the, in the industry side of things. Because when you put that hat on, you're just, you're unsure of yourself. You, you don't even know what you've created. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what you stand for in it because you've been catering to some sort of a notion of what you think it should have, should be. Yeah. Right. And that's permeated and kind of polluted your work. So I think, I think that that's an important thing is you, you have to distinguish that you have to really separate. It's like, okay, this is, I'm in work mode. I'm in artist mode. And that's all that I'm thinking about. I could, because you have to be 100% focused and committed to doing that work when you're doing it. Because I think that it demands a hundred percent of your focus and presence. If you're going to have, if you're going to create something of substance of true substance and true meaning, and that you're really connected to, it has to be the only thing that's really in your mind. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I think we've stumbled onto it. I think this is the point of this whole episode is it's about focus and priorities. You know, like you started out talking about that and it it really is, it's about prioritizing and making it, you're doing this thing and you're doing that fully. And, um, you know, what you're talking about with the writing. Yeah. I, I, when you're being creative, you're not editing, you know, and when you're editing, you're not creating, you're doing one or the other. And, and you do that 100%. Where I find most writers run into writing, writer's block is they try and create and edit at the same time. Yeah. And the editor asks, is this good? Does this work? The creator doesn't ask those questions. The creator asks, is this truthful? Is this honest? Is this communicating what I really want to say? Yeah. Do I, am I feeling this? Am I, am I actually putting my heart into it? Whereas the, the editor is going like, does this work? Does this add up? Does this make sense? Will people get it? You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a totally different brain. And, and, yeah. and, um, you know, and, and it's literally, it is a different part of your brain. It, it's the other side of your brain. Yeah. You know, it, it's one side or the other. And you, and you know, um, I think the, uh, the editor is kind of always there, like silently watching in the background while you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my editor, I, I've just done it so much now that my editor just knows that it's taken a back seat. <laughs> like it doesn't even, it's like, if it's going to whisper anything, it's like almost helpful at this point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, cause I've shut it up so much. It's and, not the loud voice. It's not, it's yeah. not really taking control of the wheel yeah. because I think there is, there's still, I don't know if you necessarily ever get rid of part of like, you know, all no, of it, but it's important. Yeah. You happened. don't completely sever it. Um, but it's like, you know, it was, it was, um, like my, my Meisner teacher, he, and it's so funny that we've come to this and it's taken me this long to realize this is actually just part of the creative process in itself. But he was teaching us in, in acting. It's like, whatever you're, you're doing, you're doing it a hundred percent. Like, because there's no, there's no half doing anything because if you're just half doing a couple of things, you're not really doing anything. Yeah. So it's like, but there was also this part of him that, that he said to us, like, uh, says, there's always this part in the back of your, of your brain though. Like you can be, you're completely immersed in this thing, but there's this part that says, okay, I'm furious in the, in this moment right now in this scene, 
and I want to punch you in the face, but I'm not going to punch you in the face. Right. Like that's about as much as you want that voice to be doing. Like you don't want it to like, it's basically there to just say like, all right, like not throw you completely off the deep end. Yeah. Right. To just like keep things just like reined in to like, but just so you're walking that razor's edge with it all. And then it gets its opportunity later. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the editor, um, well, when it comes to writing, I mean, I think the editor is going to like lead you to do cliches. Cause you got to remember like the editor is, is the editor side of your brain is like logic, right? So it's asking questions that lead to like cliche things is like, will this work? Will they get it? Will it make sense? Um, you know, and whatever. So what happens is you're, you're going to access things that will make sense. Things you've seen before. It's like trying to replicate, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like the creative side of the brain is, is looking for things that are new and unique. And if you're truly doing it, you'll know it because, um, you'll surprise yourself. You'll surprise yourself. Exactly. That's the, that's how you know. Yeah. And you know, you're doing it when you're acting and you know, you're doing it when you're writing because when I'm fully in creative brain, when I'm writing and acting actually, it's like, something is happening. I'm writing it. I'm like, I don't even know where this is really going right now. And I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, this character just said this. And, and like, it's, but it's like really honest and truthful. And it's like kind of fascinating because you're like writing it, but at the same time, you're not really in control of it. Yeah. And and that like, you know, you you hear writers say this, it's like, I just create the the characters and I let them tell the story. That's really true. Cause what has happened is you just know your characters so well and they start taking charge and you basically just try and write what they say. Yeah, you're just like as fast as you can. Yeah. You're just like <laughs> dictating like what you're seeing. Yeah. Completely. You're just like, you're, yeah. you're almost like, you know, I imagine that person who's like, you know, the person who types at like a lot, like, um, Oh yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, I, I, I can't think of it right now. Either. What is the word? It's so weird. I know. I when know. you're like, um, when you're, uh, a, when you're in front of the judge, is it a court, a courthouse, court, whatever? Well, it's court, but like, is it, are they called a court? I know the person, but the person yeah. who just like the typing like everything everyone yeah. said, that's kind of what being a writer is when you're creating. It's like, you're watching the thing happen in your mind in a way, and you're just trying to document it. It's yeah. a really amazing flow. It's like a flow, right? Yeah. But when the critic gets in there, when the logic gets in there, it's almost like you're, you're ahead of it. Like, you know, what's going to happen before it happens. And that's not as exciting because you're like, yeah, I think this will work. And so then you do that. And that always ends up being kind of cliche. I mean, sometimes you can get away with it, I think. Yeah. But, and I mean, I think the day that I can fully trust and harness this creative source in myself to like entirely get the editor out. Like I really believe that more brilliant stuff will come out. Like I, I feel like I've written scripts now where I've had, um, these brilliant scenes or brilliant moments that happen, but I, I've, I don't know if I've ever written a script yet where it's been just like from page one to like page 90, it's just been like, just a fucking flow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I've done that yet, but I definitely with every script I've written, I've gotten a little closer to it. It's getting a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I would say like my earlier drafts and you can probably attest to this, our earlier drafts were a little bit more like, you know, the critic was there kind of watching going, yeah, this will work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Completely. If you actually listen to our first podcast, we actually talk about our scripts and we talk about the cliches we did. Yeah. I think that's why they were cliched is because we weren't we weren't yet. We hadn't really developed the point where we really trusted our artistic sides yet. Yeah. 
And now our, our later scripts have been better, I think, because we don't, we aren't so critical. Yeah. We aren't like trying to logic it. Yeah. Oh, I know my last one, which I still have to edit through. It's one of the things that I put off as not a priority right now, yeah. but the last one I finished the first draft on, I mean, and I read through it and there's some, like after reading through it, there's some good stuff. Like it definitely needs some change. There's some stuff that's not, that just doesn't work in it. But, um, there was some stuff and that really held up stuff where I remember writing it, you know, and it was, um, because it's sort of like a, it's, it's a drama and like about relation, like a relationships, mostly just this one relationship, but there was a, there's a scene and I knew it's gonna, it's gonna turn into like, like just like an ugly kind of a fight in a way. That's like what I knew. And I knew kind of what it was going to be about, but I didn't know how really it was going to go. And I remember like writing some of these scenes and writing that one in particular, like, and it was coming out and it was just like, yeah, I hit that flow. And there were things that like the characters said that I literally just like stopped for a second. I just went, Oh my God, I can't believe he just said that. Yeah. <laughs> or I can't believe she just said that. Like, just like in shock of what was actually happening within it. Right. right. Because I, like, I had not planned it. Right. It was just like, okay, so now it's like, and like, you're really just kind of in that thing of like, of seeing it, like focusing and because it is writing is kind of this weird, it is this weird sort of thing. You're creating this world in your mind and you're seeing where it's going right? You don't really know. And then you just, and you dictate it. Right. And it's just, there are things that end up coming through there that you just, you couldn't have planned on having happened. They just come out and I'm like, literally like moments where I just like clutched my face and just like my heart is racing because I I'm, I'm just so thrilled with what is happening even in like when it's like super awful sometimes. Right. But you're just like, Oh, it's like like watching the movie, but yet you're writing the movie. It's like, I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it other than it's like you're watching the movie, but at the same time you're, you're writing it. And there's this weird, like, um, there's also sometimes for, for me, I find like, I'm like almost like watching myself without doing anything but I'm like, I'm writing this right now. But at the same time, I'm like, this is really like, like what's going to happen. But it's like this weird kind of dichotomy of like, like, because the imagination just kind of takes place. Yeah. Um, you know, I found when I did your, um, your Meisner workshop, I found at times it was like that with, with, with that work. I, I find it so fascinating because, you know, things would be happening in the scene and I'm sure it could even go further, but I got a taste of it at least Yeah. where it's like, um, you know, and, and I mean, I've, I've experienced it in scenes, but this really, the Meisner, I really like it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of it and well, I want to bring push, it up on the show quite a bit. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to push more into it. Um, but, um, I, I find it really, really interesting because it really does take m- my logic brain and it just gets it to take a back seat. And, um, and then because the, the, because you get, confronted with it, not working like almost immediately if you let that side get in. Yeah. And so then, um, the, and, and the easy, it becomes easier if you just let it go. It becomes easier if you just trust the creative side. Yeah. And it's like, and then when things happen, like, like 
I remember this one part where like things were happening inside of me and it's, and, uh, I was just so livid and upset, <laughs> but it was like fascinating at the same time. I'm just yeah. like, what's going on? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, and it's, you know? <laughs> and it's a, and it's a, an, an interesting thing. And I remember you, when you shared that before, I'm like, Oh, I'll make sure that I, I tell people about this, you know, before we like, as we, because I, I know what, what you were talking about, the, yeah. the moment that you're talking about, because it's, um, it, it does require a bit of a, like a warning because it's like, shit's going to get real. Yeah. Like shit's going to get real for you, like at a certain point. And it's, it's alarming for some people at first, because it's like the, some of the control is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that, the, the strategies are removed. And next thing you know, you're looking across at another person and you are actually just so pissed off or you are actually so deeply sad about something or whatever it is. Right. Like, and it's real, Mm -hmm. like you're actually experiencing it as opposed to, and, and you didn't really necessarily have a control over it. You didn't say, okay, okay, now I'm going to be sad now. And, and you didn't, go back to some memory or something like that from your life to make yourself sad. Right. Yeah. It's like, it happened. Like it just, it happened to you. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it can be a little bit jarring at first, like for a lot of actors, even actors who've been doing it for such a long time because they're like, that, that's never happened to me before. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, you know, it's, um, it's interesting, right? Because this whole industry artistry side of, um, the acting thing, you know, like, um, uh, years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know what it was, maybe longer. Um, Tony Robbins wrote that book, um, awaken the giant within, and he was written many books, but he talks a lot about state control and how, if you want to be successful in life and successful in the things that you do, you need to learn a certain amount of state control. You need to learn how to get your body to, you know, like, like physically get your body into something to get your, your emotions a certain way so that you can go and you can do stuff. And like, because you can't go into a sales meeting and be all depressed and down and like sad, you know, you need to figure out how to get yourself excited and jazzed up and like, you know, whatever. And there's lots of personal development programs, which teach you in various ways how to do it. And that's a very industry based way of looking at emotion because you're, 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 when you learn state control, which I think is a good tool for everybody to learn and you need it if you want to be in business, even actors do that. Right. To a certain degree with like preparation before you even walk into a scene. Totally. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's state control yeah. in a lot of ways. It's but just then that when thing to get you scene, in the door. When you're in the scene, you don't get to use state control anymore. No. The character could maybe do it technically, but you as the actor don't get to do it anymore. And you have to be responding. You're already falling off the waterfall. You don't get to stop and be like, okay, let me readjust. I don't like the way I'm falling. No, you're falling. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's happening right now. And I think where it becomes like an abrupt stop and it becomes like out of reality and out of authenticity is when the actor tries to control all of a sudden it's like, no, I'd like to stop my fall for a moment, readjust the way I'm falling. And then I'll fall again. It's like, no, you don't get to you. You start the scene and the moment that you're on stage or the moment that the camera rolls until the moment it's cut, you do not get to stop. You are, you are in free fall and you got to deal with the free fall as it is. Right. And so it's like, 
you know, you could look at it anyway. You could take any analogy you want. You know, I love analogies, but you could say it's like you're falling, you jumped out of the plane, your parachute doesn't open. You don't just get to decide, oh, you know what? I'd like to repackage my, uh, my, my parachute right now. It's not really working for me. <laughs> I mean, I would like the first one to go. I don't want to have to rely on the second one, but no, all of a sudden the first one doesn't go. Now you got to rely on the second one. You know what I mean? And now the second one doesn't go. And this is how movies go both don't go. And now you're free falling and you don't have a hope, but there's someone else who is also jumping with you. And now what you got to do is somehow signal to them and let them know all the emotions that are going on while this is happening. Those have to be real. And that's what makes it so captivating. But I think like that, that's, that's a side of your brain where you don't get to allow logic and, and whatever. Like if you like, I, I, I jumped out of a plane and I, I skydived, right? Yeah. And I'll probably do it again, but I'll tell you, like, I was not really scared of jumping onto the plane and doing it. I was like pretty excited about it all. But there was a moment just before we were about to jump out of the plane and I were up there and we're just getting up to the door and I'm like, holy hell, I'm jumping out of a plane. Like, I'm just like, yeah. like it just hit me. It was like the weirdest thing. And then we, we do it and we jump and we're in the air and, and the emotions and the adrenaline and all that stuff. It's like, you don't, no longer was I really in control of all of this stuff going on inside of me. And, um, you know, I think if you, if you do a lot of skydiving, you probably start to normalize it a little bit, but like there's an adrenaline rush that mm-hmm. happens. And, um, you know, after it's all done, whether you like it or not, I mean, at least everybody I went with, you know, we were all kind of buzzing, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing about it is like, you can think all you want about what it's like to jump out of a plane. You know, you can try to do all that stuff, but there's, but it's not the jumping out of the plane. It's the, it's, it's, it's the changing of like, like recognizing that, like, I, I, I don't know, like, I, like, I don't think every actor needs to go out and live every experience, but I think you, you need to understand the relationship, the deeper, um, interconnectedness of jumping out of a plane. It's not just jumping out of a plane. There's like, there's an experience of walking up to the edge of the plane and jumping and, you know, and then just falling through the air and all this other stuff that I think like there was in my mind before I had ever done it, I had this thought of how it might be. But then when I actually did it, I was experiencing it. And I think like the difference between the industry brain and the artistic brain is the artistic brain actually is experiencing it. Whereas the industry brain is thinking about Mm -hmm. experiencing it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Same thing with education too. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Am I going to be the one to open up this one? (laughs) Well, it's like, it's the same thing. It's like the, like uh, education when it comes to art is very much the same way. It's, it's like a, it's not the experience of it. It's the, sorry, how did you just put that? Well, like industry is thinking about it's it. It's thinking about it. Artistry and, is experiencing And it. education is kind of the same way in that it's very Access, similar yeah. to like, maybe it's almost like in the middle of them to a degree where it's like, it's talking about, about the experience. Like, yeah, it's, it's explaining it as opposed to necessarily actually directing you into it mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. That was like my problem weird... with film school. You know, you spend all this time talking about film and not making film. And you know, if anyone knows anything about me, th- I'll be like the, the first person to say, go do it. 
You know, I'm always like, like I've had people say, Brandon, you're all action. You're always action, action, action. I'm like, yeah, I am action. Cause action yeah, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I'm really like, how do you know? Like until you, until you've done it, like, like I love that, that, that quote in uh, fight club, how much do you know about yourself until you've been into a fight yeah. until you've been in a fight, you know? Um, or it might be the risk until you've been in a fight, how much do you know about yourself? I don't know. Something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, whatever it's, you know, it's the idea, but like, you can watch all the action movies you want. You can watch the most realistic UFC fight, but until you've been toe to toe with somebody and you've felt what it's like to get punched in the face and like, you know, you've, you've felt that adrenaline, you don't really, you don't, you don't really necessarily know. Now I'm not saying everybody should go out and get in a fight, Yeah. but I do think that we can't just sit in our little bubble and think that we can have access to all this stuff in the world. Like you got to go out there and you got to try it. And like, you know, just in relation to acting, Meisner is a great exercise for acting because it actually makes you be in the moment. And that there was a student in your course where I think for him, maybe he had been in the moment before, but for, cause he hadn't had a lot of acting training. I think he was experiencing being in the moment for the first time. And it was awesome. And he did really well with it. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's, it's work that's done with people who aren't actors just because it can really help people kind of out of their shell totally a little bit because yeah, it's, it truly is an immediate, especially because it's acting, right? Like it's, it's immediate. It's, it's, there's an audience. Yeah. And so there's a lot of our controls that come up, right? Like, yeah. because it's like, well, I am being watched. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're sitting alone. Like, you know, we're, we've talked about this even before. It's like when you're writing and like, you're just by yourself, you know, yeah. and the only person that's watching you is you in when you're up acting and like doing these exercises, you, there's people watching you mm-hmm. and in including yourself. Yeah. And the, the beauty of it is that you get to see very quickly, at least all of the shit that you're putting up, like all of those controls that you're putting up, like within, within the moment, like, you know, that it's happening. Totally. Right. Somebody's identifying it in you and there's no way out. Like there's just, no, there's no way out. There's no way out. You like can't you're hide just, it. you can't hide <laughs> it. You absolutely can't, which is part of like what I really love about the work. I mean, I've, I've done it to, to friends before. Yeah. I sort of just done Meisner on them sometimes yeah. because like, <laughs> it's one of those things to try and explain to people who aren't actors who aren't really necessarily interested in doing the work, but are interested in what it is, you know, yeah. friends are like, what, so what is this thing that you teach people and, and whatever. And, and just been like, okay, well, here's the gist of it. And then I basically, you know, I give them enough so that they can sort of do a little bit of it with me. Mm-hmm. And so like they get a bit of an understanding, but then I usually just kind of have some fun with them. Yeah. And then I'm just, because I've, I've got a lot of experience doing it. Right. So it's like, and I'm used to that process of, of being. And, and the thing is that there, there is, there's no escape. Someone's trying it. It's like, Oh, okay. It's like, you're, it's like, you're unsure of yourself. And they're like, I'm unsure of myself. And you're like, you didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to admit that. <laughs> it's like, you're getting freaked out right now. And you're, they're like, stop it. <laughs> like, like it's, I've had that experience before. And, yeah. and it's like, it's, and it's profound. Like it, once you kind of get over it. Right. And you realize like, it's like, Hey, yeah, it's, you were kind of put on the spot and you were being seen. Like you were really being seen 
by somebody and somebody was just saying what they were seeing. And it kind of, it's a bit of a mind fuck, you know, it's like, it, it twists you a little bit. And, uh, but then you come out of it and it's like, yeah, but everybody's okay. Yeah. Everybody's okay. And no, and nobody's judging you. The worst thing that usually happens is you have like, you know, a bit of a laugh, mm-hmm. at least in those situations. I mean, the Meisner can get like, it can get pretty emotional at times, but there's still, there's still no judgment that's going on in it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you learn how to just let it be and just move through it. Right. Right. It's every time I talk about it, I'm just like, Oh man, I love this work more and more and more and more <laughs> like, because I, I understand it more all the time. Well, it's a great, I mean, this is a great practice whether you're an actor or not, because it relates to everything. I mean, it relates to, it relates to writing and it relates to relationships. It relates to how you do your life. It it relates to so much. And I mean, I just think it's a really wonderful exercise when done properly and also done, um, from its foundations upward. Yeah. I, I, I really think a lot of people butcher it by trying to get people to jump ahead too far in, in the practice before they're ready. Cause I think you need to, you know, one of the things like I had done Meisner before I had done your workshop and I always did it with teachers who kind of jumped a little bit farther ahead and and it was effective in certain ways. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But what I, I actually had a much greater understanding of it and I can access more of the tools I believe now by understanding those first foundations, because it's like you're doing one thing and then the next time you're doing two things. And then you're doing three things and I'm sure it goes up and you have more added to it, more complexity. But the thing is, is like, I always started with much more complexity before I ever did the basics. So you never really get the basic one thing down like really well. Yeah. And that was the thing. It's, it's almost hard to do it like that way, but I can see the value in it because then you, you actually have the tool of say like the repetition. And there's also lessons to be learned in those early stages that you not necessarily that you won't learn, but you might miss it Mm -hmm. like, or you might not get the significance of it unless you have the, have it focused. (laughs) Right. And it's not an intellectual thing. It's an experience. Yeah. That's the other thing is like, you can't read it out of a book. You actually have to do it and experience it, which is the action part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, you can understand Meisner, you can read it in a book, but until you do it, you don't really know what, what it is. Right. And, and if other people on the other end of this have never done Meisner, I mean, I think they should do your intro. I think everybody should do your introductory workshop. And then they should, <laughs> if they don't like it, they can fuck off, but you know, like, and, and whatever, not in a bad way. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, good. I did some Meisner. And great, great testimonial. I should put that out there. It's like, everybody should do your workshop. And should. if not, they should fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. After they do the first one, if you don't want to carry it on, they yeah. don't do any more. But I mean, it's, you know, just do the, do the first bit, get, get a feel for it. And, and you have a tool for the rest of your life. That's like, it's totally useful whether you're an actor or not. It's still like, like I can just, I can use it in, in writing in a certain sense. Cause now I have the experience. Yeah. Of it, right. Um, you know, it's also like I've become a better writer by like making a film because like as a writer, like say we're making something, I, I could be like, Oh, well, um, although I don't let this factor in necessarily into my creative side of things, but I can look at it and go, okay, well, this is going to be really hard to film. 
or I can, I can factor it in because I've had the experience of being on a location and like having like certain things, you know what I mean? That have gotten in the way or certain challenges. I'm not saying that that necessarily needs to come into play all the time, but the experience gives you a bit of a better scope of what you can actually do, you know? And, um, like I remember when we were doing soldiers of the apocalypse, I've shared this before. So many people told us, they told, told me like, you can't do that. And I'd made a bunch of films before that. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'll show you. And I just knew like we shot an 18 page script in one day and it was an action sequence. That's insane. It was a major action sequence. That's insane. And, and people were like, you can't, can't, be done. You can't do this. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the basic film principles. We need to shoot it all in one location, but we need to make that location look like it's 17 different locations. You know what yeah. I mean? And so what we did was we found basically located this location. Uh, it was kind of an area where I grew up and I was like, we can look. And we went and, uh, there's actually a video online. My friend Mike at the time, we went there and we, we looked and we basically planned out all our shots. We, we walked through it. This is where we'll shoot this part of the scene. This is how we'll shoot this part. And we just kind of walked through it. And then when we got there on the day, which, um, you know, we were shooting at a super low budget, right? That was the other thing. Yeah. Um, I walked the DOP. This is how we're going to shoot this, this, and this. And we just went and we did. And it torrentially rained on us <laughs> during this. We had to put the camera in like a plastic bag because we didn't have the proper yeah. like rain gear. And we did it and we shot it and we had a blast. And the thing is, is like, there's, there's something about experience and actually doing something, which gives you this capacity in the world. And like, I think, um, you know, I think that the, the two brains are kind of like that, you know, like the, um, there's the logic brain is like, can this be done? Right. But once we figured out it can be done and I'm not worried about, can it be done anymore? We could just focus on doing it and we could have some fun. You know what I mean? Now, I, you know, you can always look at like, well, it could be better. It's like, well, yeah, it could be, but you know what? We did it and we had fun and yeah. you know what? It helped us raise the money we needed to shoot the rest of the stuff. And it opened up all sorts of doors. And yeah. you know, it actually was the, probably one of the key turning points, which actually helped me launch my career into being a paid writer. Yeah. I mean, so it was all good. And, and lots of people, we actually shot a whole show out of it and people booked television series and stuff. So it was all good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is, is like, what's important is that you go and you do it. And, and, I think that the, one of the most important messages I want to like leave people with, and I'm not wrapping up just yet, but I just want to make sure people get this point is you always know logic brain is in play when it's asking you if, is it, is it good? Does it make sense? Can it get done? That's logic brain. Always those, it asks certain questions. And once you start identifying those questions, you'll know that brains at work. So, um, the creative brain doesn't ask questions like that. The creative brain assumes it can be done, that it will be good that it will make sense. The creative brain just assumes that those are going to work. The creative brain is fully immersed in, in the work. It's, it's completely present and it's like, it's, it's in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. So it's like, if you are in that phase of creative, of creative mode and you start asking yourself, you know, those questions like, is this good? Like, you know, like, (laughs) all of those things, then you, that's like your first sign right there. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, don't listen to that. Like, (laughs) don't listen to that. This is not what my job is right now. Yeah. Do it. And then later that can come in and say like, okay, is this good? (laughs) 
Yeah. Is this, is this working? Can this be done? Is this communicating, you know, the point, right? And then once you've sussed that all out, then you go back into creative space again with, yeah. to do edits or touch-ups or whatever the fuck you do. Yeah. Right. You know, like, <laughs> hey, don't undermine my work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just but like, I'm just like for whatever people who are at home listening to this or in their car or whatever, it's, um, you know, whatever you do, then you, then that thing has to go back. You, you take what you've learned and you go back into it in that creative frame of mind yeah. with the lessons that you learn because it's the same thing. I'm realizing it's the same thing with acting as well. This is, I'm having all kinds of interesting little sort of deepening of understandings of like my own craft right now. Which awesome. Is, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, it's like even in performance, it's like there's, you're completely present in the moment for when you are doing it. Um, and then at the end is when you get to go, okay, so something didn't quite work. Something was not connecting at that moment, right? There was something that was not quite there. Now I can work on it. Right. But only after, if you are in the midst of it, and saying like, Oh, this isn't working. How do I, how do I like fix this? Am I like, like maybe I should like, now you are like, is this good? Now you're not in the present anymore. Where as like, and so many, uh, great actors have said this, like, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Mm. Right. Like just, and, and I've had that experience too, where I've just been like, I'm like, man, I'm not, with it. I'm not like, this wasn't as good as it was in rehearsals. You know, I was cooking in my rehearsal and, and now, and, and then having that awareness, it's just like, okay, shut up and just listen. (laughs) I like that. Just like shut up and listen. Yeah. Right. And, and then just dropping back into it. And the thing is, and then you pick up, you pick back up into the scene, Yeah. you know, and it's, um, and, and you move forward and, and you've, you've, re-immerse into the connection in the present moment, as opposed to living in the past of something that didn't work. Like that just happened moments ago, right? There's nothing you can do about that now, like other than just be now stay connected to what is happening. And then when you're done, you can say like, okay, I need to, like, there was this thing. It was not, I was disconnected from this. I was not there. I was not present to this. There's something that wasn't working. And then you can go back to the drawing board, so to speak. But then the next, you know, night comes or whatever, or the next take and you've got to be right back into it. Yeah. Again, you can't be thinking about that thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too, is I'm realizing something I'm realizing actually, as we're talking is, um, that industry side of my brain, that logic side of my brain wants to look for how it can control something. It's always looking for control the artist side of myself is actually embraces being out of control, embraces the idea of like, let's see where this goes. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, like, um, it's almost just curiosity. Mm -hmm. I, I, the way I'm, the way I'm thinking about it actually right now is that when I'm, when I'm in flow and I'm in full artistic side of my brain, it's like, I'm just curious. I'm like, where the hell is this scene going to go? Like, like this person said this and this is like going to happen. And I think the audience would be surprised because I was surprised writing it, you know, even though yeah. I had an idea for how the scene would go, it's like, well, this didn't go the way I planned, you know, <laughs> this yeah. is kind of neat. Whereas logic brain is like, well, let's do this, this, and this, and this will kind of work. 
what, what I, what I actually think, um, I actually think logic can come in just before you let yourself go into creative. Like, cause I've done screenplays in a couple ways. I've done it more in one way, but yeah, more in a couple, but, um, I've done it where I've just created characters and then I've just written and seen where it has gone and it works pretty well, but I usually find that you kind of hit points where like, Oh, I don't really know where to go here. I've kind of painted myself into a corner and I don't really know like what's going to happen because I haven't structured it out. Yeah. Um, where I've also done like so much structure that it's been like, Oh man, like I feel really confined. I don't feel like I can create anything because I've already worked everything out here. Um, but I think that it's really important to create some structure. So you kind of let your logic brain come in a little bit before you do the creative, Yeah. you know, and you kind of go, okay, well, this is how it needs to end. Um, this is the lowest moment for the character, or at least the lowest I can see them going through right now. And this is the turning point. This is the point where their life changes and it's the inciting incident. And basically, at least if you know those, you're kind of like pretty good, you know, but if you just, and then you can kind of let the characters run and kind of, they'll go to those moments, right? You can, you can work out a few other points that'll help. But, but I think if you get too structured, all of a sudden you start like kind of confining yourself. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting, man. You know, it's interesting how, um, industry and artistry works inside of us as much as it does outside of us. Yeah. It's like everywhere, you know, We're, we're constantly, we're constantly doing things from an industry side and an artistry side. And, um, I think the big, the big thing that I'm taking away from this right now is that it really comes down to priority and focus. What's more important right now, focusing hundred percent on artistry or focusing hundred percent on industry. And when you're doing one, just do it fully. And then when you stop, then do the other one fully, but don't try and do both at the same time because they yeah. don't, you know, it's like, and even if the, you have to do the work twice, it's better yeah. to do it twice, I think, and do it fully and a hundred percent than to do it like once half assed. Yeah. And you've got to, it's like, yeah, it's like, you've got to hand off the job, you yeah. know, it's like, you've got to think of it almost as being another person, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to trust you to do your job. And then when I'm done doing my job, I'm going to have, I'm going to let you do your job. Yeah. Right. And, and let you do what you do Yeah. because that's how you work best yeah. is if I let you do what you do as opposed to like, cause yeah, otherwise it's this constant, like, uh, this like struggle mm-hmm. and it's, that's unnecessary. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce the beer. Yeah. Cause we've been enjoying it. We have. Um, I'm always a little faster than you on drinking it down. You notice? <laughs> just what, what are you say- yeah, what, just saying? Yeah. What are you saying? I'm just saying. You're Evan. just saying. I, I seem to consume beer. <laughs> I don't know. I just random. I was just buying time. So well, that's because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> the therapist said not to say that on the show. <laughs> it won't help me. Um, so this that's, is, sorry, that's, that's mean. If anybody's actually an alcoholic and going through AA, then seriously, that's awesome. Yeah. Brandon is not an alcoholic to my knowledge. <laughs> no, I'm not an alcoholic. Um, but and you know awkward what? silence, but you know what? Um, this is where I'm the whole alcoholic thing before I go to the beer actually the lessons and principles from AA from what I understand of them are actually brilliant. And I think everybody could benefit from learning them because I actually personally think that we're all kind of addicts in certain ways. Um, and, and, uh, the principles of that really help you see like one of the, one of the major ones is like, you know, learning to accept what you can control and what you're not able to control, which is just a super valuable lesson, but there's lots of lessons in there 
for people to learn. Yeah. So anyway, um, but I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> but I'm just introducing a beer and I like beer. Yes. Um, okay. Go so, ahead. so, um, this is called brew lager. This is the name of the beer brew lager, brew lager. And it's from big rock. Nice. Yeah. So it's a nice light beer. It, uh, you know, um, just something that I figured we hadn't tried yet. I didn't think we had tried it. And, uh, I, uh, I thought, well, you know, Evan likes his blondes. <laughs> so we'll bring a blonde on. No, it's, it's good. It's got a bit of a bitterness to it. Yeah. It's almost like it's, it almost seems like a bit of a, more of like a European style lager. Yeah. Than like a, a North American style. Does it seem a little like, almost like a Pilsner to you? I don't know about Pilsner, but it's just like, it almost has that, I hate to use the word skunky, but like it has like just this, that, you know, skunky. Yeah. You know, like sometimes like those European like loggers and stuff like that. What does that mean? Skunky. It's, it's skunky. People know what I'm talking about. All right. Well, I don't, you don't know what I'm talking about, but like, you know, like, uh, something like you crack like a, like a Heineken or something or a Stella. And there's this sort of like this, it's got, it's got a skunk. It's got a skunkiness to it. It's not actually necessarily a bad thing unless it's too much, but is it a smell? Is skunkiness a smell? It can be a smell and it's also part, partially the taste. Well, I don't smell anything weird. No, this is not super, it's not super strong, but it's just like a little bit where I'm saying it's, it's kind of got a hint of that. Yeah. To me. Well, and to my taste buds. I hear you. But I like it. You're entitled to your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Look on your face there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I find this beer to be pretty good. It's nice. It's a nice light drinker. I mean, I could, I could probably just have a bunch of these and I'd be, you know, one after the other and then I'd be an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you painted yourself into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's the beer ladies and gentlemen. Um, and it's always good when we have a fun introduction of it. Yeah. Um, as this was. Okay. So let's talk a little bit and wrap this baby up. Yeah. It's been a good chat. We talked a lot about priorities and focus using one side of your brain or the other kind of one hat or the other, um, doing it 100%, um, and not doing things half-assed by trying to do everything at once. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the words that really resonates with me a lot with this is, uh, priority priority. Like what's the priority right now? You know, um, if you're facing the blank page, I I think, um, you know, unless you're structuring it out, your priority is to put on the creative hat, you know, it's to put on the artist and let the artist run a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're, you know, I think great art fits within structure, you know, um, and the, and I always tell writers start with your title and your genre and figure out like the inciting incident and the ending and figure out the character. Mm -hmm. If you figure out all those things and the, you know, like the objective and the consequence, but if you figure out those things, you're pretty much good. Now, now just go and run with it. But if you don't do any of that work off the bat, I think you leave yourself too much creative freedom and then you can't really do anything because you don't even know where you're going. Um, but that becomes more improv. And I think improv is an awesome art, but I think when you're writing a script, you're not, I mean, you can try to do it improv, improvisationally, improvised or improvised. Yeah. I yeah. feel like there's a word there that I don't know how to say. Uh, anyway, I think you're fine. Yeah. I'm going to let it go. Yeah. 
I'm going to move on. Yep. Um, so yeah, so, uh, I think it's, uh, but, but when you're doing improv, I mean, it'd be great to have some people who do improv on the show, but improv, I mean, you got to like go with it. You got to say yes and like be embrace the moment and just go with it. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't really get to like, think what would be the best thing. You kind of got to go like I great, really people who are really great at improv. It's so fascinating watching them work because someone will say, you have a purple hat on and they'll be like, I do. And it's like, you know, it's my favorite hat and they'll like run with it. You know what I mean? And it's like, they just, they, they, they'll just go with whatever is there. And it's a fascinating journey because someone suggests something and you run with that suggestion. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the art at play. It's like, nothing's wrong. Everything is something we can work with. Let's try and work with it and see what happens. Whereas, um, the industry side of the brain is like, okay, this was a good option, but maybe this could be better. You know, maybe this would be a better way to do it. You yeah. know, why don't we, instead of the purple hat, why don't we make it a cowboy hat? Because you know, people are into cowboys these days. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, well that challenged the integrity. It's like, yeah. and yeah, you almost got to take it back to the artist and yeah. be like, you know, you separate them. Yeah. Right. And just be like, okay, well I'll take that back. And then you take things less personally, mm-hmm. I think as well, you know, become a little bit less, um, protective about some of that stuff. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo some of those same things. It's like setting priority. And it's weird. I didn't see this whole thing of priority going this way in this conversation, but there you go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really creating that distinction between, you know, that artist and that, and that industrialist mm-hmm. part of you, right. Or the, or the editor part of you, um, because you, you need to separate them. I think, especially for that you know, that creative phase, you've got to be, let the artist have, have rain. Uh, because I think when you're in that mode, when you let that editor come in, there's just way too much doubt. There's just way too much questioning of yourself through that process that you just don't need. It doesn't help you in that stage of the game. When you let the artist take the reins of everything and do its thing, um, you get connected to that sense of meaning, that sense of drive, that sense of value in what you do. And, and that's what you need to boldly create something. Mm. And then you hand it off to the editor once it's done, right. the editor part of you. And that's, that's part of you. That's also maybe somebody else as well who's out there. And then you let that part go and deal with it and take the feedback and, and go over things and then say, okay, we have some notes here. Okay. And then we bring it back, you know, it's, but when you're trying to combine them all at the same time, yeah, like you're not really doing either of, of them justice. So no. I think it's, it's trusting, trusting that. Yeah. And yeah. This has been a good one, man. Like, <laughs> oh, man, you just don't know where they're going to go when you start it out. Right. Yeah. It's like, and that's the interesting thing about it is when we, when we do not so serious Sunday, it's really the artist is on. Because if you think about it, Wednesdays when we were topical, yeah. it's a little bit more the industrialist. It's like, you know what? This would be a good topic for everyone to hear about because, you know, people might be interested in this or this is what we're working on. But Not So Serious Sunday is like, we don't even know what we're going to talk about when we start. And then it always kind of ends up finding its path, which proves yeah. that artistry kind of has its own way of working. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the beginning it has a little bit of an aimless kind of roundabout way of getting to the point. You know, we kind of find it maybe like 20, 30, 40 minutes in. 
Um, but then we kind of do, and then we kind of run with that a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas like, um, on those Wednesdays where it's more topical, we kind of are on point and then we might allow ourselves to go off a little bit in the middle of it. And then we come back to point. Yeah. It's a, just a different experience of having a conversation. Yeah, completely. And one of the things I always find interesting about our, uh, these not so serious conversations is, is that there is always a tying thread it seems to all of it. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like we're just talking about so much different shit, you know, that almost happens every single time. At some point in the conversation, the editor comes in and it's just like, we seem to be talking about way too much different stuff. It all seems unrelated. And then usually there's something that actually it's that they're all completely related to each other. Yeah. And, um, and like last week we talked about trusting, yeah. And stuff. And, and that's a huge part that I've learned from doing this. It's not just like, well, just trust it. Just trust that creative part to do its, to do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a, we have a theme that always runs through every single one of them, no matter what, which is like where artistry meets industry. We always have that. So we always have a touch point, Yeah. you know, and I think that's what helps everything get tied back together. Um, you know, if we were just randomly two guys having a conversation with no, like, with no like kind of specific focus of any sort, it might get kind of lost. But I mm-hmm. think we have that one touchstone, which is like, let's have a discussion about artistry and where it meets industry and how they relate. And every conversation kind of comes back down to that. So I think no matter how far off we go, we kind of keep coming back to that point. And in what's really interesting, we've done like, this is our like 81st or something. Yeah. And uh, 81st podcast. Crazy. But after all these talks, what I'm starting to realize now, the newest integration I'm having about it all is I always thought artistry and industry were kind of these things that were almost outside of me. And now with this conversation, I'm starting to see that there's something that happened inside of me before they ever yeah, occur outside. That's a very good point. Yeah. That's and it seems so obvious now, but like, I never really saw it that way until this, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I like, love that. That's yeah. a, that's a great Another little nugget to chew on there at the end. Chew it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. All right. This has been the B and E podcast. And another not so serious summer. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.